Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here, Lord. And this morning, we want to pray for Ron down at McGee that you would continue to give him strength and encouragement and be with Kathy and, and Andy and uh, those traveling back and forth. And Jeremiah, Lord, keep them safe as they go back and forth to Philly to spend time with Ron, Lord. And give the, the uh, physical therapist wisdom and encouragement to help Ron. Father, we pray for Phil today. Give him alertness as he's driving. I know his heart is heavy, and uh, Lord, this is a very difficult time for him and the rest of the family, and may they really sense your grace and your peace through this time. Lord, I want to pray. There are several men in our church that are fighting with cancer right now, and Lord, I want to pray for these men in particular, that you would give them grace and strength, and as they're going through their treatments even this week, that they might really sense the power of God working in their life. Thank you for the opportunity this morning that we have to give back to you through our tithes and offerings. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. A tale of two church members. Michael and Liam began meeting for Sunday morning breakfast at 6 o'clock over five months ago. They originally thought it would be a one-time event. They met in couples Bible study in their church. For many different reasons, they hit it off and were becoming good friends. When Michael originally invited Liam to meet him for breakfast on a Monday morning several months ago, Liam readily agreed. The two men enjoyed their time together so much that the one-time event became a weekly event. It was now rare for the two friends not to meet on Monday morning. Early in their friendship, the conversations focused on sports, family, and politics. They had much in common. Michael was 41 and Liam was 39. They each had three kids and they were both college football fanatics. Each of their teams was in the same football conference, but they were pretty fierce rivals as well. The guys thoroughly enjoyed trash-talking the other teams in a friendly spirit. But on this particular Monday morning, the conversation turned serious. Michael and his wife had noticed some changes in the demeanor of Liam in their Bible study group. He no longer seemed as interested in studying and discussing the Bible as he did about talking about their church. And his comments were often critical about the congregation where the two families both had their membership. Still, Michael was caught off guard on that particular Monday morning Liam loved the poached eggs in the little restaurant. It was his regular order. But on this Monday morning, he had not touched them. He was barely sipping his coffee. Liam didn't take long to get to the point. Michael, he began, Lana and I have decided to leave the church. The pause seemed to last minutes. Neither of the men seemed to know who should speak next. Michael took the initiative and spoke softly and deliberately. You want, me to, you want to tell me about it? Michael inquired. He honestly didn't know if Liam wanted to say any more about it. His friend seemed resolute. Nevertheless, Liam began to explain his feelings and decision. Lana and I went to church to learn deep truths about the Bible, Liam offered. But Pastor Robert is just not feeding us. We're not getting anything out of his messages. Sitting in the service on Sunday morning is just a waste of time. Michael didn't respond. 
He could tell Liam had more to say. There are several great people in the church, Liam continued. You and Karen are the best, and there are a few more like you. He paused and his facial expression became even more serious. But honestly, Michael, our church is full of hypocrites. Did you hear Jim at the kids' basketball game? He embarrassed me the way he was screaming at the refs. What kind of testimony is that for a Christian? And of course, everyone knows about Neil. He was supposedly this pillar of the church, and we find out he's been cheating on his wife for over a year. What kind of a church is this with these kinds of people? Liam was angry, but controlled as he continued to vent. Look, Pastor Robert acts like he cares for us, but I'm not sure he does. I told him that Lana's dad was in the hospital for hernia surgery, and he never even visited her. Him, sorry. Michael knew that Lana's father was not a church member, and he lived 50 miles away. He also knew that Pastor Robert called him and prayed with him, but he also knew that any rebuttal would not be appreciated at that moment. Michael held his tongue. Now it seemed that Liam's mild rant was winding down. Liam seemed exhausted, ready to bring the conversation to a close. He did, however, offer a few pointed comments and two insightful questions. Michael, Liam began softly, I really like Karen and you, your kids. All of you are a class act. He paused briefly. But you seem enthused about the church. You keep serving and contributing. Don't take me wrong, but I wonder at times if you're blind to all the problems of the church. Then Liam offered a closing that really spoke more than he realized. We are really two different kinds of church members, he stated. Why is that? Why do we have such different perspectives? Two different perspectives. And probably we could find people right here with perspectives just like that. And so I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we begin a new series called I Am a Church Member. This conversation between Michael and Liam that we heard today, again, probably goes on hundreds and hundreds of times. And the church... The church of Jesus Christ in local communities is not growing. And why is that? Um, based on research of 557 churches from 204 to 210, um, 9 out of 10 churches in America are declining or growing at a pace that is slower than their rate of their community. Do you ever stop and wonder what the growth rate of E-Town is? I did some research. And uh, the state growth rate for Pennsylvania is 3.43%. Um, the growth rate for E-Town is minus 2.88%. Actually, E-Town is declining uh, in growth. We haven't grown at all. We're declining, in fact. Another view of this might be two-thirds of the generation born before 1946, known as the builders, are Christians. Two-thirds, two-thirds of those born between 1946. Only 15% of the millennials are Christians. 
those born from 1980 and on, the millennials, only 15%. They're the largest generation in America today, and yet we are not reaching them. It was interesting this morning that uh, Brother um, Buckner had no idea what I was preaching on this morning, but he handed me an article called, Why Millennials Are Leaving the Church. And he handed that and said, maybe you should read this. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good article. I'm not sure I agree with it. It says, many of us, myself included, are finding ourselves increasingly drawn to a high church tradition. Catholicism, East, Eastern Orthodoxy, the Episcopal Church, uh, precisely because of the ancient forms of liturgy. And uh, I thought about that. Um, even though they're being drawn back to the church, they're not being drawn back to the church for the right reasons, are they? They're not being drawn back to the church because they come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and they see Him as the center of their life and the center of their church. So I'm wondering, as churches across America, how well are we doing of letting people see that Christ is what this church is all about, that Christ is the head of the church? It's not Pastor Dick. It's not Pastor John. It's not the board of deacons. It is Jesus Christ who is the head of his church and which we are a part of. And we're going to be talking this morning as we open the Bible here and we read through 1 Corinthians. We're going to see when we talk about the church, we're talking about the body of Christ. Every person who comes to a personal relationship with Christ becomes part of the universal church, not just part of Mount Calvary Church, but LCBC and, and uh, Bick, Brethren in Christ Church here in town, the Church of God on Main Street with Pastor Yeager and uh, Hershey E. Free and, and all of those Hope Community down in Mount Joy. All of these churches, plus all of the churches in Lanc Lancaster County or hundreds, make up the Church of Christ. When you get saved, you're put in, you're baptized into the universal church, and then we are a representation of that universal church right here in E-Town. And you know why? Why aren't we growing? Why aren't we reaching? We can blame it on the secular culture, and we often do. We can blame it on the godless politics of our nation, and sometimes we do that. We can even blame it on the churches, the hypocrites that are in the church. You know, like you heard Liam talk about in that story, he said there's nothing but hypocrites. And uh, the reality of this and the reality of that story is, listen, all of us, in a sense, if you looked at our life, we're all hypocrites. We all are. And if, if you think that I, as the pastor in this church, am perfect, then you are blind, if you think that I got it all together and I know how, you know, man, I am just, you know, moving right along all the time, you're wrong. I struggle in my Christian walk. And if you follow me around enough, you might even call me a hypocrite from time to time. And the church, in fact, it's interesting when I read God's word, actually, the Bible is full of people who do what? Sin. And the Bible says in 1 John, if you say, say you have no sin, then you are what? You are a liar. Because all of us in this world will struggle with sin. And so the church is a bunch of unperfect people. We are saved sinners. And if you think you're going to come to church and find everybody who you know, just does it right, you're, you, you're mistaken. Because we are all in this together seeking to focus on Christ to, be, to become like him. And sometimes we mess up. But in this series, we're going to be talking about what is a church member. 
Sometimes I think we join a church expecting others to serve us and to feed us and to care for us. You know, there's a little bit of difference between a church and what we might say a country club. Because, see, a country club comes with membership perks and privileges, doesn't it? But the church doesn't. See, the church is a place to serve, to care for others, to pray for the leaders, to teach, to give, in some cases, even to die for the sake of the gospel. Now, we don't have that problem here in America, but around the world, there are people today who are putting their life on the line for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for the next six weeks, Pastor John and I want to help us take you together to again learn the privilege of what it means to be a church member, a joyous church member. During our, church, our, during our journey, we're going to challenge you to make some real commitments to the Church of Christ and to Mount Calvary Church locally. And if there's two goals that we have in going through this series, let me give those to you real quick. First of all, that we will have a new or renewed attitude about the church. And then secondly, that MCC will become healthier because our members are healthier. We'll have a greater impact in our community for Christ. And we'll be known not as a church of people, but we'll be known as a church of people who love those around us. And so let me give you six things this morning quickly to be able to start. First of all, this membership means we are necessary parts of the whole body. Look there, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and start with verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit were we all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, which was not a healthy church, it was a church that had its struggles itself, Paul here is telling them, listen, he's dealing with this in the midst of the spiritual gifts, and they're fighting, and they're comparing each other. He even says at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, don't compare yourselves among yourselves. If you're an ear here this morning, don't compare yourself to somebody else who's a foot. If you're a mouth here this morning, don't compare yourself to somebody else here who's a nose. And so he says, listen, we're all different, but we're all part of the body of Christ. And how do you become part of that body? You become part of that body by coming to the point in your life and realizing that you are a sinner and your sin has separated you from God. And if you continue down that course, you'll spend eternity in hell separated from God. And because you're a sinner, you come to that point and you tell Jesus, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you were buried and you rose again the third day and you put your faith and trust in that and that alone to take you to heaven. At that moment, you become saved, the Bible says. At that moment, you are baptized. You are dunked in to the church, to the universal church, the church that's meeting all around the world today. Those churches that stand and proclaim the gospel of Christ, that church you are baptized into. And so all of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are a part of that church. And the first thing, it is unified in one body. Paul uses here 
not only here, but he uses it about five times in Ephesians. He uses it in Colossians. Uh, he uses it in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. He uses the same analogy of the church being the body. Let me say to you, and you tell me back, who is the head of the church? That was weak. Who is the head of the church? Christ is the head of the church. Let us never forget that. This is a unified body. The human body, by far, is the most amazing, organic creation of God. Marvelous, complex, yet unified with unparalleled harmony and interrelationship. Just think about your own body and how amazing it is, how it all works together. And so this is the thing that Christ, he says, listen, he wants there to be that same unity. In Christ's incarnation, he had a single human body. Now he is carnate in another body. It's called the church. Did you ever stop and think about that? In Christ, when he came, he was incarnate in one body, his fleshly, earthly body. But today, we are the body of Christ here on earth. You, me, we represent. He's the head. If you separate the head from the body, what do you have? A corpse, right? That's what you have. You have a corpse. So if we as a church ever stop making this about Christ and about the gospel of Christ, then we have chopped off the head. And we're a corpse. We're dead. And there's a lot of dead churches today because Christ is not the center of the church and not the head of the church. So we have this unified in one body and we are baptized into one spirit. How do you join that body? You join it by salvation. And I love what he says, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free, all are made to drink of that one spirit. No matter what your culture is, no matter what your background, no matter what your status, no matter what your um, economic standing is, we all become part of the body of Christ and we are all unified, no matter what your nationality is. And, and we are basically a white American, Anglo-Saxon church. Just look around. In New Jersey, the church I pastored, we had 35 Filipinos who came every Sunday. And we had mixed all kinds of cultures. And, and, and I think, I can't wait someday till we get to heaven and what? All the cultures and everybody is together. Won't that be an exciting time to be, around the, to be around the throne of Christ and have people from every kindred and every nation praising God together? Why? Because no matter what nationality you call yourself, when you are saved, you are put into the body of Christ, and now you are just like everybody else. There's no Greek or Jew or Gentile. We're all one in Christ. The second thing I want us to see, members uh, means we are necessary parts of the whole. Secondly, membership means we are different. We are different. He says here in verse 14, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, 
where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so he's talking about an interdependency, not an independence. You need the church, and the church needs you. Membership means we're different, but we're still, we work together. Again, all of you sitting here today represent a different part of the body. How crazy it is to think one part of the body can act without the other. I have a leg here. I have one leg up on you. <laughs> now, when you think about a leg, it's sort of a gross thing, isn't it? Just to think of a leg sitting here in church by itself. Does that gross you out? Does it gross you out to look around and see body parts laying around? Well, when you say, I don't need the church, basically you become just like this. And there's so many Christians today who say, you know what, I don't need to be part of the church. And you're like a leg that's sitting there all by itself. You're like a hand or a foot that's just there all by yourself because God says you need the church and we need each other. And that this leg is just as important as the ear. And so he tells us in this portion of scripture that all of the parts are important. And that means every person. Somebody might sit there today and say, well, boy, I'm not like that Ryan Martin who can get up there and play his guitar and sing and lead us in worship. Well, just think, if, think like if everybody was a Ryan Martin. Say, oh, that'd be great. No, listen, we're all different. We're, you know, we're all different. And, and we need. And so each part is important. Each part is important. That's what he says. No part is more important. And each part has a task. When we showed the kids the potato head today, and we said, you know, we were trying to get across to them, each part has a task. And every one of you sitting here has a task. I'm I'm so excited for Jack Smith, because Jack Smith's task in this ministry is to be a mouth. And so every Wednesday and every Thursday, he goes out and he is a mouth in the retirement homes all over Lancaster County. But there are people who go with them that sing. There are people who go with them that simply greet the people who come. And all of those are important. And you heard Jared stand up here today and talk about Upward. And we need some coaches. And we need people to work in the food stand. And we need people to just greet. What is it? Everybody is important. Every one of you who sits here today is just as important as the person sitting next to you. Every person sitting in this auditorium is just as important as I am. And you're sitting there and saying, well, you're the pastor. You're the lead pastor here. You're the most important. No, I'm not. I'm not important, any more important than you are. And for some reason, don't raise me up to to be something more than I am. I am nothing but a mouth that God's put here. And and you're as an ear or you as a foot. You are just as important as Pastor John and I am. And sometimes in churches, we raise the pastoral staff up. Don't do that. We are equal with you. We are. And so you're just as important. And, And listen, look what he says in verse 18. This is exciting. And look what he says there in verse 18. He says, God, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he, what? Chose. 
God chose you. Listen, back to Ephesians chapter 1. If you're saved, it says God chose you before the foundations of the world. He chose to put you into the body of Christ. He predestinated you. He chose you. And when he chose you to become part of the body of Christ thousands of years ago, when he created, and when he created you, and when it says in in Psalms 139, he wrote every one of your members in the book, he knew everything about you when he did that, he chose what part of the church you would be. Don't ever think that you're not important because the God of heaven who came and lived and died on the cross for you, He chose you to be at Mount Calvary Church today and you are as important as anyone else. And that's why it says in Corinthians, don't compare yourself amongst yourself because you are important. Listen, don't let Satan give you a lie and tell you you're not important to this church. Don't let Satan lie to you and tell you you're not important to the church of God. Sometimes people walk away discouraged and upset and think, man, I'm just not important. You are important. And some of our older folks sit there, some of our more mature people sit there and say, well, pastor, I'm older now. I I can't do the things I used to do. But you can be involved in one of the most important ministries that there is in the church. It's called prayer. Because as feet, as hands, we have to have what? Prayer. And so every one of us, every member of this church is so important. I was, came out this week and watched that great football coach, Mike Robinson. Watched him do his thing out there on the field. And, he, and he's great. Man, he rallies those kids around him, and they get so excited. And I watched some drills that he was doing, and I thought, man, he is talented. And, you know, maybe some of the, maybe some of the other people out there said, man, I, I wish I could be like Mike Robinson out on the football field, and, and then how he draws those kids in. But that's, that's the talent that God's given him, and he's using it. Or, you know, I was watching Dave up here playing the piano. He's not only good at finances, he's a great pianist even though he plays with his bare feet. I was amazed, man. Barefoot pianist, he's good. But he's good, man, and, and he has a talent. I could sit down and, and find, you know, Mary had a little lamb. It takes me five minutes, but I do know my notes, and I could find it, but I don't do it because that's not the talent, and that's God's given all these people up here. But listen, just because you're not up here on the stage, maybe you're the janitor, You are important, each part, and we need each other. Each part's important, each part has a task. God shows your part, each part needs each other. It says that in verse 21 there. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet. Each part needs each other. And the weak parts are just as important. I love that he says... That Listen, the, the comely parts, the parts that seem not to be, you know, important. But God has compassed the whole body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. You know, and it's true. Have you ever, have you ever had your toe hurt? Anybody you ever have your toe hurt? Yeah. Sometimes I wear my shoe and I get a you know, blister on my toe. And man, then it just affects your whole what? 
your whole body. Why? Because it just seems like it's a little part, but it affects the whole body. And so no, no matter how insignificant you think you are, when you don't get involved and you don't show up and you don't pray and you don't do those things, you affect the whole body. God wants us working together in unity. Look what he says in verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care one for another. He wants us working together in unity. I saw that this, I saw that this week right here in our building. Ladies, if you haven't been to the redecorated bathroom out this door, you need to stop in there, just for ladies. No men in the ladies' rooms. Nice, but... It, this week, I watched our janitorial staff. Man, they came in and painted. And I watched Jeff Green, who worked, uh, um, Jeff Martin, who worked half the night one night, putting all the tile down in this bathroom, the bathroom downstairs. And, and then uh, our, our janitorial staff was back in there, and they put all new dividers in. And there was such unity and oneness, and they did all that, and they accomplished all of that task in a few days because they worked in unity. They worked in unity. And that's what the church is about, working in unity. And then it says we should be encouraging one another. If one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. We all rejoice. And listen, as a church, that's what we'd be doing. Rejoicing. When somebody, you know, gets a new car in the church, what, what's your response? They must not have been tithing recently. Got a new car, didn't they? Somebody goes on a vacation. Man, look at them. How, that's their third vacation this year. Where are they getting all that money? They say, wow, great. Man, that is super. I'm glad that they got to go away. I'm glad that they got to do that. Or if Pastor John stands up and points somebody out for their good work, and, and do you sit there and say, well, boy, they didn't talk about me, did they? No, we ought to be encouraging one another. And, and in fact, let me ask you this question. How many people did you encourage today since you've walked in here? Why did you come today? You came, I hope you came, number one, to meet with God. We do that through our worship, through our music, and, and the message, and the time in Sunday school. And the, but listen, you know, we come, this isn't a country club where it's privileges. This is a thing where we come for the purpose of meeting God so that we can minister in the lives of others. Who did you minister to today? Who have you encouraged today? See, that's what it's about. Membership means everything we say and do is based on biblical foundation of love. How many of you have ever been to a wedding and heard 1 Corinthians 13 read? Raise your hand. Yeah, look around. A lot of us. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, but you know, it's very interesting, the context of it. Did you ever think about it? You know, context means we study something of where God put it. Did you ever think about looking at 1 Corinthians 13 of where God put it? Look at it. Look, look, see, back in chapter 11, he deals with the Lord's Supper and how the church should administer the Lord's Supper and how sometimes people are sick because they don't deal with their sin become before the Lord's Supper. And then in chapter 12, he's dealing with spiritual gifts in the church, in the church at Corinth. They're fighting amongst about the spiritual gifts and that I'm better than you are. And so he's talking to the church. And then right in the middle, right in the middle, he gives you the love chapter, chapter 13 
where he gives you what really love is all about. And then he goes right back into the next chapter, chapter 14, talking about prophecy and tongues in the church and how they're to be used rightly and orderly worship. So what is the context of love, can I ask you? The church. The church is the context for love. And the Bible says in 1 John, they will know you by your love. If there is a place where love ought to abound and where love ought to be seen, it is the church of Jesus Christ. People ought to walk in the doors of this church and they ought to sense the love of God. And if they don't, shame on us. Yeah, listen, you know, we're talking about redoing the auditorium, but just because we redo the auditorium, do you think people are going to come to our church? No. You know why they're going to come to our church? You know why they're going to stay here? Because they find love. They find a congregation that loves them and is interested in them. Because love always does what's best for the other person. Love always involves itself in the life of others. Think about it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It does not... Uh, act improperly it's not selfish it's not easily provoked it does not keep record of wrongs you know revival would break out in the church and across america if the church lived this chapter it really would revival would break out we are to love the unlovable as well we are not to pray for and or we are to um, not just to pray for and encourage our pastor, but we're to pray and encourage everyone in the church. Love, love always does what's best for the other person. Love always seeks to minister. That agape love is what 100% give and no take. See, I, I'm free to love you because Christ loves me and that love never changes. I never have to worry about his love. I don't gain any more of it. I got all there is to have of it. And so now, because he loves me so much, I'm free to love you. And you're free to love me. But that's... See, membership means everything we say and do is based on the biblical foundation of love. Then membership, church membership, is functioning membership. You know how to remain a member of a country club? You pay your dues, you remain a member. Do you know how to remain a biblical member of the church? Do you ever think that? How do I remain a biblical member of the church? See, some people just show up on occasion, maybe throw some money in the plate. Um, but that doesn't make you a member, really, in a sense. That really makes you a man-centered, man-made, man-maintained member, if there's really such a thing. It's contrary to what God's Word says. See, the biblical church memberships gives without qualifications, biblical church views... The tithes, the offerings, is joyous giving. There are no strings attached. Biblical church members serve and minister as natural ways of doing things. Biblical church membership is functioning membership. Again, it's the body functioning together. It's the hands functioning. It's the, it's the feet 
functioning together. That's what church membership is really about. You know, I read just recently the concept of an inactive church member is an oxymoron. Biblically, there's really no such thing. We're going to ask you each week to think about making a commitment. And let me read that commitment to you. It's going to be up on the screen. And this really deals with what we've talked about today. I like the metaphor of membership. It's not membership as a civic organization or as a country club. It's the kind of membership given to us in 1 Corinthians 12. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Because I am a member of the body of Christ, I must be a functioning member. I will give, I will serve, I will minister, I will evangelize, I will study, I will seek to be a blessing to others. I will remember that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You'll see that in your notes today that we've given you a place to say, you know what, that's what I need to be as a member. And we're going to be looking at five other things of what membership means. But today, that's the commitment that we're asking you to make. That's, you know, that's between you and God. But I want to ask you that question. Are you really willing to live out 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 13 in the context that God wanted it to be lived out right here in the church? And so today, ask yourself, am I that 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13 church member? Or am I comparing myself among other church members? Do I come just to be served? Do I come sit, sitting down waiting for somebody to come and shake my hand? Do I come sitting down just you know, waiting for somebody to serve me? That's not really what a biblical church member is. A biblical church member sees themselves as part of the body of Christ, a significant part of the body of Christ. And today I want you to leave here with nothing more, if nothing more than this, to think that you are as important to this local church as anybody else. We need you. We need you ministering. We need you serving. We need you helping. We need you ministering the lives of others in this church. Every person is an important part of Mount Calvary Church. Let's pray. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you were to die today, you're not 100% sure you would go to heaven. The most important decision you will ever make in life is what you do with Jesus Christ. All of your good works aren't going to get you into heaven. You can do all kinds of good things in this life and you'll still die and go to hell. The only thing that gets you to heaven is putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did in coming to this earth and dying on the cross for your sin, being buried and rising again the third day, having victory over sin and death. And if you're here today and you'd say, Dick, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven, maybe right there in your seat, you could pray. It's not the prayer that saves you, it's the faith in Christ. You, maybe right there you could pray and say, I believe I'm a sinner. I look at my life, I see that. I believe that. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I believe he was buried and he rose again for me. And I'm going to put my faith and my trust in that to take me into eternity into heaven 
That's what I'm trusting in. Not my good works, not a religion, but in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's something you're interested in doing today, you can see me, you can see Jared at the door. We'd be glad to talk with you this morning about that. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in life. Father, thank you for this time to open up to 1 Corinthians. And Lord, first, the church of Corinth was a church that was struggling. They were a brand new church, and boy, they had their problems, just like every church does, because we are saints who've been saved as it says. But Lord, we still have the flesh, and so Lord, may we today be encouraged and challenged to be the biblical members to the church of Christ that we need to be, and always keeping him and focusing on him as the head of this church. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.